Hello and welcome to episode 84 of Onion Unlimited, the podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Torridon. We are going live today from Rotherham. It's very hot today, so I've got my bandana on and I've even dressed up in my shirt. What have I got to tell you today? Well, it's August the 27th, which is or would have been my wedding anniversary had I still been married. So uh, I would have been married for 28 years if we were still married. Got married in 1994. I think that's, uh, I think that calculates correctly. Of course, I was a Jehovah's Witness. So was my wife. Uh, we were both from third generation Jehovah's Witness families. And we got married very, very quickly, actually. I'd not long been in a relationship that had failed as a result of the, uh, the cult again. And uh, I was still very much in love with that person, but not wanting to be alone for the rest of my life. I uh, decided at the age of 23, I think I was 24, something like that, to uh, to get married to someone that I didn't really feel very attracted to, not even particularly spiritually or mentally or emotionally, let alone physically. So right from the beginning, our marriage wasn't really made in heaven, so to speak. Um, it wasn't all bad, if I'm honest. It wasn't all bad. You know, we did work well together, as Jehovah's Witnesses go. We pioneered together for most of our life. But uh, it just wasn't wasn't what it should have been. You know, we weren't really soulmates or twin flames or anything like that. And at worst, it was rather unpleasant. Uh, things... Used to uh, traumatize me a bit, we'll say that much. I won't go into great detail. I don't think that's really fair at this stage. We've all moved on. So, yeah, you know, I'm glad it's over. I think she's probably glad it's over. I know at first when, um, when the, uh, when the marriage was over, I know my ex wife was very insistent that she loved me and I disappointed her because I hadn't shown her the love that she had for me and so forth and that made me feel very guilty at the time but then uh, sometime later when she disassociated herself having realized uh, all along that I was correct it was a cult she actually confessed to me that she'd never loved me which although that should have been heartbreaking I actually found it some consolation if that makes any sense at all but yeah my uh, my wife said uh, she hadn't loved me all along and basically she just married me to get out from under her rather abusive father who was a very shouty character so you know i married the wrong person but i think she did too and uh, that was 25 years i don't like to say it was wasted because there was a lot of things that we accomplished in that 25 years together but it you know, looking back, we probably shouldn't have shouldn't have married in the first place. And of course, as a Jehovah's Witness, we felt very much that we were stuck together, not because we loved each other and not even particularly because we had the children together. But it was because we had Jehovah in our marriage. That's how it's often viewed. You know, the old threefold cord and uh, divorce was just not an option. And separation was discouraged. So uh, we just kind of put up with it. And we were both uh, pretty miserable, I think, for 25 years. But like I say, uh, we're not married now. We 
divorced and my wife is actually disassociated as well. So you never know, moving forward in years to come, perhaps we could be friends or at the very least friendly, I think. Um, certainly there's been a ceasefire in that regard. I don't feel like I'm being uh, blasted with missiles from that direction anymore. So things are a little peace, more peaceful now, which is, which is, which is good. Yeah. Marianne says, uh, it's a shame what this cult does to people. It plays with their lives. It does indeed. It messes lives up. And, uh, at the end of it, when you leave, you don't often have very much to show for it either. You know, 25 years in, I mean, 28 years in now. I should I should be happily settled in a in a long marriage with older children and probably grandchildren on the way as well. But they, these are things that I'm possibly never going to see because of the shunning principle and my children shunning me. But there we go. So happy anniversary. <laughs> oh dear, happy anniversary. Glad it's over. Do you know the old uh, the 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 biggest problem with uh, anniversaries when you're um, when you're in a uh, when you're in a let's say not not so happy marriage is where you have to send each other a card each year. You know what I mean by that, where you have to write something along the lines of uh, "I love you," but you just don't feel like writing that anymore. In the end, we were sending each other cards along the lines of, uh, well, it's been another tough one, but at least we made it through. Not exactly happy, <laughs> happy families, is it? But there we go. Marianne says, I hope you and Riley do another podcast together. Yeah, that was a good podcast, actually. I really enjoyed that. Riley's a nice guy, isn't he? Nice guy. Been through a lot of the similar similar things that I have and many other others have leaving the witnesses. I enjoy his uh, podcasts and his TikToks and all that sort of thing, so... Yeah, it'd be good to do another one. I am just going to spend a few minutes going through a few of the YouTube comments that I have received in the last few days. I have a comment from Renegade. Just found your channel. Love your style and content. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate your support. If you're watching for the first time and you haven't subscribed yet, please do. That would be fantastic. Thank you. Okay, I've got a uh, an unusual comment here from Tinker2217. Wow, he or she says, you call Jehovah's Witnesses a cult? Question mark. And no, I'm not a JW. I can only assume if uh, Tinker2217 is indeed a real person that they don't think Jehovah's Witnesses is a cult which is uh, not surprising. A lot of people don't think it's a cult, but I do, and many others do as well, which is why we refer to it as a cult. Why would I refer to it as a cult? Basically because the bite model, which defines what a cult is, many of the points within the bite model match exactly with Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, I've actually got a sister site. I don't know if you've seen this one or not. This is jwquotes.org, and there is actually a page on there under the cult section that goes through the byte model with each of the points of the byte model that I think fit Jehovah's Witnesses, and there are quotes for many of them from the watchtower itself that 
gives you the evidence or the proof that you need that it is actually a cult. It breaks it up into uh, behavior, information, thought control and emotional control, which is where the title Bite model comes from. So feel free to check that out. That's one of the reasons why I refer to it as a cult. Some would say it's not so much a cult as a high control group, although we are just applying labels again, I think. Either way, putting labels aside, what is the Watchtower? If it's not a religious organization that's got a a history of prophesying the end of the world in their time, They've done that in 1914, 1915, 1925, heavily suggested in 1975. It's an organization that places undue emphasis on its governing body. They may say they are not leaders, but they are. They're self-appointed as the faithful and discreet slave. You're not allowed to question them. You can even question God, but whatever you do, don't question the governing body. They've got policies that harm people. The uh, shunning of family members who have done nothing wrong, some of these people, except disassociate themselves from the organization because they don't believe it anymore or perhaps because they were abused as a child and they feel that they just cannot belong to that organization anymore, whether that's just on paper or not. But as soon as you disassociate or you commit a so-called sin that you're disfellowshipped for, because three men have decided that you're not sorry enough, that's it. Your family members often withdraw completely from you, and that is encouraged by the organisation. We've got uh, mandated refusal of blood transfusions, and then couple these things with the way that they control what you think. You're not allowed independent thinking. That is a phrase that's used within the organisation. What you wear even during your leisure time, is monitored. You're not supposed to have beards, although you can get away with it, but you you will be viewed as spiritually weak and not given certain privileges in many congregations. Tattoos are a no-no. What you do on your vacation, you can't just go on a vacation and, and that's it. You are expected to still go to the meetings and on the ministry on vacation. Going to university is discouraged, even to the point that if an elder allows their child to go to university, their qualifications are called into account and they could be removed as an elder. Then you've got weird buzzwords that they call their theocratic language. And, of course, the biggest one, cover-up and mishandling of child sexual abuse. You only need to go to the Australian Royal Commission to see the governing body and their cronies trying to wriggle out of the accusations there. So maybe, maybe you can see why I and many others have said it's a cult. But like I say, Cult is a label. If you don't like the label, fair enough. But look at the facts. Look at the facts. There's nothing there that I've just read out that is a good thing to be associated with, which is why I am no longer one of Jehovah's Witnesses. We've got uh, Freddie on board. Hello, Freddie. Thank you for uh, for joining us today. 
We shall have a chat later, my friend. Okay, let's move on to another comment. So we've got quite a few good ones this week. Meg was surprised that I used her seven tips after leaving Jehovah's Witnesses for healing and rebuilding for a complete episode of its own. (laughs) Why wouldn't I? It was free content, Meg. (laughs) You basically wrote my script for me. So that was good. Thank you for that. If you've not seen that episode yet, check it out. Uh, Meg's heavily into uh, meditation by the sound of it. She refers to a thing called the I am meditation. Simple meditation saying things like I am, I am successful, I am rich and so forth. That sounds like a good a great meditation, that one. When I meditate, which is not as often as I should do, I generally just concentrate on my breathing. But I think I will give that a go. Thank you for that suggestion, Meg. It sounds like a very good way to connect with your higher self. Let me know in the comments whether since leaving Jehovah's Witnesses, you've got into meditation, because meditation, of course, is... Um, Meditation is is discouraged among Jehovah's Witnesses. If you meditate, it's thought that you're clearing your mind and the demons will get into your head. So meditation is is highly discouraged as a Jehovah's Witness, as many things are. Now then, we've got a uh, a comment coming from Eyes Wide Open, who is or was extremely excited with my episode nine, Game Over, how I finally walked away from Jehovah's Witnesses. That was the episode where I actually walked out of my reinstatement hearing and said enough because I realized that the elders were just going to muck around with me for the rest of my life. And uh, when I got back home, I wrote a letter defending myself and Christ. Basically, I sent a letter to the elders saying that they were not doing what Jesus would do and uh, proclaiming myself as a Christian and uh, a persecuted one of that. And uh, Eyes Wide Open says, excellent video. Jesus said at Matthew 19, verse 29, everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, for my namesake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit everlasting life. You chose Jesus and truth over a cult, and Jesus promises that you will be rewarded for your faith. Thank you for your nice comment, Eyes Wide Open, but don't get too excited because... uh, You're right. When I first left Jehovah's Witnesses, I was still very Christian in my outlook. But since then, if you carry on listening to the podcasts, you'll notice that I've moved forward on my spiritual path into what's known as pandeism. And ultimately, as it stands at the moment, I think I have arrived at what I would refer to as a rather Advaitist outlook, which is... um, based on a certain school of Hindu philosophy. Now, don't get me wrong. I do still respect Jesus very much. And in fact, I think that Jesus got much of his wisdom from the East. I even think possibly during that quiet time between when he was 11 years old and when he popped up again at the time of his baptism, I think Jesus may have taken a little sabbatical out in India, possibly picked up some of the Buddhist teachings, Hindu teachings, that sort of thing. And I see a number of things that Jesus taught that are very, very similar to the Buddha. Uh, For example, the golden rule that appears in many of the 
religions, including Eastern ones. But my path is not what I would or what you would call Christian anymore, at least not in a religious denominational way. So uh, I'm sorry to disappoint you on that. I don't class myself as a Christian anymore. I don't label myself as a Christian anymore. Having said that, if I was to sit down with Jesus today, I think we would agree on much. So I do still respect Jesus very much as a spiritual master, but not as my only spiritual way to returning back to source. So I hope that clears clears something up there. Freddie says that he meditated or did breathing exercises when lots of things kicked off. It helped tremendously, but I don't do it religiously. Yeah, same same for me, actually, Freddie. I... Um, when my life first came crashing down in December uh, 2019, I did spend quite a bit of time sat cross-legged on the floor with my uh, with my hands in a meditative position, concentrating on my breathing. And it helped actually very much with the anxiety, if I'm honest. I was actually going through some really bad anxiety. It was terrible, anxiety attacks. And just just sheer panic, actually, at the at the uh, thought that I was all alone in this world and didn't have anyone there to support me or love me or be there for me. And I found meditation was very, very helpful just to calm the mind at the time. But I think as I've got calmer, I've stopped doing the meditation, which is probably not a good thing. <laughs> Freddie says, uh, I'd definitely share a bottle of wine with Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I would too. Do you like red or white? I think I'm more into white than red, but there we go. Let's just see if we've got any more comments here. Yeah, we've got one here from, oh, this is almost a life story from Hoot Al. Our lives mirror one another to a remarkable degree, says Hoot. I'm one generation older, born in 1949. Okay, I'm a 1969er. Uh, Hoot says, I also began preaching from door to door at age four. Mm-hmm. That's how it used to be. And he was baptized at age six. Wow. Age six. That's young. Uh, my daughter, I regret this now, but my third child, my daughter was actually baptized at nine. And uh, I encouraged that at the time. I regret that now. Who says uh, my father was a pioneer and moved to an area where the need was great <laughs> or the greed was was great. No, the need was great. Uh, yeah, done that, been there. Uh, for most of my childhood, he was the only brother and thus served as the entire servant body, congregation servant, assistant congregation servant, Bible study servant, etc. Old nomenclature before the elder arrangement was introduced. Yeah, Hoot, I think the elder arrangement, wasn't that introduced in, was it 71? 71 or 72, wasn't it? Somewhere around that time. I remember the congregation we were in, in Spalding at the time, there was my dad and I think there was a two or three others, I think, at the time uh, that were serving in, in these congregation servant positions, what they called them back then. And when the elder arrangement came in and they were told to sit down and assess or reassess their qualifications under the new guidelines to determine whether or not they could continue to serve the congregation in this new role of elder they actually all disqualified each other. <laughs> it was like one of those situations where everyone in a circle points a gun at each other and <laughs> everyone drops dead. Um, and the congregation in Spalding was left with absolutely no elders 
at the time and they had to write to Bethel and say none of us qualify but uh, Bethel wrote back and basically said oh just you know stop messing around just keep serving and when the circuit overseer comes around he'll decide what to do with you yeah very good who says that his dad scheduled all the meeting assignments and since he was the only other qualified baptized brother Remember, he got baptized at six. From the age of eight, he gave multiple talks each week at the ministry school and service meetings. Wow. Pioneered all through his teenage years, gave talks at assemblies. What else did he do? This this is a brother that gave his entire life to the organization. But he says, I experienced all the personal pain and trauma you describe in your life. Guilt about sex, doctrinal doubts, a loveless, unhappy marriage. Yep. When it comes around to your anniversary each year, like today, it's uh, that trauma is still there, isn't it? It's something you remember. A desire to help fellow witnesses, but the need to follow the rules, etc. He says now he's in his 70s and will never escape the adverse effects of the religion. He eventually resigned as an elder, walked away without any explanation, fully knowing that he would be considered worse than a murderer and have no friends. And so it has been for the last 36 years. I'm sorry to hear that, Hoot. You can consider me a friend. That would be really good. Yes, uh, it does sound like a Monty Python sketch, Marianne, (laughs) where all the elders disqualified each other. Freddie says, who said Jehovah? (laughs) Yeah, that's the one where the guy... uh, the guy gets stoned, isn't it? Yeah, excellent, excellent, excellent sketch, that one. I really like that one. I've got someone else born in 1969, a 52-year-old, same as me. I'll be uh, 53 in October. Alejandro Galagos, hope I've pronounced that correct, says, uh, at this moment in my life, I feel frustrated because I just have elementary school due to Jehovah's Witnesses' belief that the end of the world was around the corner. I was born in 69 and I'm 52 years old. Yeah, I know what you mean. You get to that age in your life, particularly if you're in your 50s or even later, and you leave Jehovah's Witnesses, and then you realize that there's so many things that you didn't do with your life that you wish you had. Education is one that I often hear ex-witnesses say to me, they just wish they'd gone to university particularly and studied something. I totally get that. I I wish I'd gone to university. Uh, My teachers wanted me to go to university, but I left school at 16 and started pioneering straight from school. And I never never really got much more of an education other than my uh, secondary school education. Uh, I've not done too bad for myself over the years, but mostly under my own efforts of starting businesses, that sort of thing. I've never really had any qualifications that I can take to do anything. Uh, friends have said to me that even in, even at 52, 53, I could still go to university, but I just don't know if I've got the energy anymore to do something like that. So, Alejandro, if you could go back to university, what would you study? There's a question for you. I think I would probably study psychology, philosophy, or uh, or theology. I think I might do one of those three. Out of all of them, I think philosophy would be my thing. I think I'd really enjoy that. Yeah, Marianne says, I was told I wouldn't graduate from high school, and I'm 54 now. Yes. Yeah, I was told that Armageddon would come before I left school. Look at me now. <laughs> In my bandana. Just see if there's any more comments here. I think that's everything for today. I'm just going to play you a little tune. 
while I uh, grab a drink and cool down. And then when I come back, I am going to share some words of wisdom with you from uh, Eckhart Tolle. So uh, this is a little tune called Finding Jupiter that uh, I wrote for my girlfriend again, Mariella, if you're out there. Hello, Mariella. Love you lots. Finding Jupiter. Hope you like that little tune. Got a comment coming during the uh, break. Why did I suddenly start trying to put Kingdom Song words to this tune? <laughs> what you'll actually find, Freddie, if you uh, listen to any of my tunes, which are over on SoundCloud, and I'm going to start including a few on these podcasts that I do just to break up the uh, monotony of me talking. A lot of them do actually sound like Kingdom songs. I did actually think in the past of submitting some of my songs to uh, the Watchtower organisation for them to use in their new songbook, but I'm so glad I didn't, looking back. Marianne says, I, I hear you. I still remember the tunes and lyrics to a few I left in 
1986. Yeah, there were a few right funny ones as well, weren't there? Do you remember the one about the bees that were molested? Okay, we've got a few comments coming in. Uh, questions, rather. Do you think we'll see the fall of Watchtower in our lifetime? Uh, I suppose it depends how long we live. I mean, I'm 50, 53 now. You're 54, I think, aren't you? I might live till I'm, let's say, 84, let's say. So another 30 years. I think the uh, Watchtower organisation will keep going for another 30 years. I really do. I think the overlapping generations has given them to realistically 2034, which is another 12 years away. But they could stretch it to 2054, which is another 32 years away. So I might be dead by then. I worked it out. They could even, if they really pushed the numbers of how old you were when you were anointed in 93 or 94, and you lived until you were about 102, I think it was, you could uh, you could actually stretch it out to 2074, which is, I mean, all the governing body are going to going to be gone by then, so they're not going to care, are they? But give it give it another hundred years. Mm, don't think so. I I don't think in a hundred years from now, I, uh, which isn't that long actually, if you think about it. I I don't think the organisation can survive another hundred years. I really don't. Not with their current teachings, and certainly not the nineteen fourteen teaching. That'll have to have fallen by the wayside by then. Who would I like to interview on my podcast? Oh, that's a good question. You. I'd like to interview you, Marianne. Uh, I think I'd like to interview Riley. I'd like to interview Harrison. Who else would I like to interview? I've got one or two that I would like to interview, but they're not ready to come forward and show their faces or their real names yet. Uh, So hopefully when they finally do manage to get out and they don't give a damn anymore, that would be nice to... uh, be there first yeah the organization does just keep morphing doesn't it i i've got a feeling as time goes on it could actually morph into a on an online or, or tv evangelical type religion i think that's entirely possible that the you know i know they're selling a lot of the kingdom halls and i know they're talking about going back to the kingdom halls that you know they're already back at the halls with some congregations and they're talking about having in-person assemblies in 2023 and so forth. But I think as time goes on, the TV version of events will become the main way, I think, as time goes on. I think COVID has set them back a lot, and I don't think as many as they'd hoped have returned to the Kingdom Halls. And, of course, they're selling Kingdom Halls left, right and centre as well. So I think it could just become a uh, a TV religion in time with a little banner running across the bottom that says donate. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to share some uh, words of wisdom with you now. This is from a book that I picked up the other day. It's very good by Eckhart Tolle, entitled Oneness with All Life. And I'm just going to read you one of these little snippets. It says, give up defining yourself to yourself or to others. You won't die. You will come to life. And don't be concerned with how others define you. When they define you, they are limiting themselves, so it's their problem. Whenever you interact with people, don't be there primarily as a function or a role, but as a field of conscious presence. I thought that was absolutely excellent. So stop defining yourself. Let's have a think about that for a moment. 
when we were Jehovah's Witnesses, we would define ourselves as JWs. It wasn't just something that we did on the weekend. It's what we were. We were Jehovah's Witnesses, and we were the only true religion, and we were God's friends, and there were so many different labels put on us. That's not to mention if you were a pioneer and you were a ministerial servant or an elder and so forth. And when you lose those labels, when you exit the religion, the cult, oftentimes you can find that you suddenly don't know who you are. That's a very common story that that I hear. Um, I especially hear that with uh, brothers that were elders that decide to step down from being an elder. You know, they resign or they get taken off as an elder and they suddenly feel that they're nobody within the congregation. You can multiply that a thousand times when you leave the organization because you suddenly find that, (laughs) who are you anymore? You know? We can then start identifying ourselves maybe as an XJW. I know I certainly did that initially. I'm an XJW. But then I realized that that also was a label. And although there's many people that were JWs that are no longer JWs, that are lovely people, there's also quite a few XJWs and not very nice people at all, certainly not people I'd want want to be friends with in or out of the organisation. So for me to just kind of slap a label on myself and say I'm an XJW, that's my label, that's what defines me, and that I'm part of an XJW community, that wasn't really the direction I wanted to go. So um, you'll notice on my Twitter feed and so forth, I still use hashtag XJW just to basically identify what the content is about. But in terms of defining myself, I don't define myself as an XJW. I define myself just as me. I'm me, Daniel, a spirit being having a human existence, and I'm on a spiritual path of autonomy. That's it. I don't belong to any groups. I don't belong to any political groups. I've not joined a church. I did actually shop around for a new church, but everywhere I went, they were all as uh, crazy as each other, if I'm honest. So I just, I just stopped doing that, but I didn't go the atheist route. I uh, stuck with spirituality. Christian is a label. Am I a Christian? Uh, I believe in Jesus and I follow a lot of what Jesus taught. I don't believe in everything about Jesus and I certainly don't belong to a Christian church. So in that respect, I'm not Christian. Am I a Hindu? Um, I'm probably more of a Hindu than I am a Christian actually these days because I believe in more of the, the philosophy of the Hindu religion particularly the Advaita Vedanta school of philosophy. But again, there's so much within Hinduism that I don't subscribe to. You know, I don't want to worship millions of deities. So uh, am I a Hindu? No, I don't think I'm a Hindu. I'm going to be doing an episode on Sunday with my friend Chris and my friend Kyle from the Two Tongues podcast. We're going to be discussing Advaita Vedanta uh, Hinduism. So that will be an interesting uh, episode if you want to tune in for that one. Am I an XJW? No, I'm a guy that used to be a Jehovah's Witness, but I don't cast myself as an XJW. Am I a PMO? You've heard of the uh, PMO, POMO, PME, physically in, mentally in, physically in, mentally out, physically out, mentally in, physically out, mentally out. It's like the okie-cokie, isn't it? Again, just labels. You know, they're just labels. I don't really place much of an emphasis on labels. So I think that's a great quote, that one. Stop defining yourself. 
don't try and fit yourself into a box, basically, and just think of yourself as a field of consciousness, a presence. Lovely. I still get prickly when people ask me who am I voting for, says Marianne. Yeah, I've I've not voted for anybody since I've uh, left, not particularly because I'm against voting. I think voting is probably a very good idea, actually. Maybe I should vote, but I, I just can't be bothered, if I'm honest. Maybe if I uh, maybe if I think about other people a bit more on that, I might be inclined to think more about the political issues, maybe. But uh, sounds a bit selfish. But I've had a lot on my plate just trying to get myself straight, <laughs> regardless of trying to make the world a better place at the moment. So uh, as time goes on, may- maybe I will. Maybe I'll look into some of the uh, some of the issues and think about voting. But uh, so far, I've I've not voted. Freddie says, have I heard of Anthony Magna Bosco? I haven't, Freddie. Do you want to uh, do you want to just share with us who Anthony Magna Bosco is? While you're doing that, I'll uh, I'll just answer Jason. Hello, Jason. Thanks for joining us. My stance was I didn't leave my crazy cult to join someone else's. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, which is why I've said as well, you know, coming on doing these Onion Unlimited podcasts, I was talking to Mariella the other day. I don't think this will happen because I'm just not the sort of person that people follow. But I'm not in this to gain a following as in, you know, some XJW content creators sort of have amassed, you know, no names mentioned, but uh, have amassed a bit of a... uh, bit of a bit of a following and it almost becomes a cult itself doesn't it you know people start uh admiring them and it goes beyond just a uh, a basic kind of uh, gratefulness for the content that they've put out and it becomes almost like a uh, almost like being in the truth again doesn't it so i certainly never want that i don't think that would ever happen because my views are not uh some of my views are a bit wacky and people just think I'm a nutter, so they, they steer clear. But, uh, yeah, don't join my cult. Have you seen on uh, Have you seen on my Onion Unlimited? I, I tried to start my own cult, just as a joke. The uh, Witch Tower Twaddle and Crap Society. I wonder what, what, uh, what mentality it is where people go down that route where they want to be cult leaders. I, wa- I, wonder, why they actually, I wonder why they actually do that. Very strange. Let's have a look at some of these comments. Have I heard of Anthony Magna Bosco? No, I haven't. Jason said, I'd been, I've been enjoying the XJW subreddit, but didn't discover it until I was out 11 years. Very helpful. Yeah, um, the XJW Reddit sub is it's a strange beast, isn't it? It's, there, there's some very nice people on XJW Reddit, but there's also some very pedantic people that just want to argue for whatever reason. I found I didn't end up posting an awful lot to Reddit in the end. Uh, I found Twitter a lot kinder, a lot lot nicer. Well, that, that's just my own personal experience. Freddie says that An- Anthony, what was his name? Anthony Ma- Magna Bosco was a street epistemologist. Check out his channel, fundamentally understanding why I believe what I believe in the process for understanding why you do or don't. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, I think I might have come across him, actually. I will go and, go and check him out. Very good. Marianne says, should I send you the link of the podcast I was on with Stephen Mather? 
Uh, yes, please. Yeah, fire that over. And if you want to come on uh, Onion Unlimited and just have a chat or co-host, even co-host one of these uh, episodes with us, that'd be great. I'm trying to be a bit more engaging with people at the moment rather than just coming on and creating uh, you know, speeches to the masses. Uh, I'm trying to be a little bit more engaging with people so that they can uh, call in and stuff like that. So if you want to co-host on some occasion, that's great. Jason says, cult leaders first are narcissists. Yeah, I agree. It's a way to be a leader without having to work your way through other organisations. It's a shortcut. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I think it takes a particular person to want to be a cult leader or a governing body member that kind of thing. I think even even on a grassroots level, many, many elders that I've known over the years are basically just narcissists that just want to lead and have control and power over other people. You get the odd one occasionally that wants to do it to genuinely help other people, but more often than not, they are narcissistic uh, characters. Oh, we're joined by Roger. Hello, Roger. This is turning into a bit of a party. Roger's a great guy. Uh, Roger is the fella, everybody, that sent me uh, that uh, letter the other day that I read. Remember the one that uh, describes Jehovah's Witnesses in Jehovah's Witnesses speak? Uh, yeah, and it's so accurate, but it just sounds like a completely crazy whackpot organization when you read it. That was really, really good. I like the idea that all humans are individual points of attention in a vast, eternally flowing stream of consciousness. Essentially, the human experience is a simulation. Yeah, I. Um, that is a great point, actually, Roger. I know this is a bit off on a tangent, but um, I know you mentioned when you contacted me the other day that you've also come to some of the same conclusions as I have about source, uh, what the Hindus would call Brahman, which is not really God as such. But uh, yeah, that that's superb. I totally agree with that. What else have we got coming in? Jason says, my 12th anniversary of freedom from JWs is in a couple of weeks. Happy anniversary, mate. <laughs> if you live near it, I'd take you out for a beer and a curry. Ah, there we go. A little bit of debate for us. Freddie says, I've got great issues with the simulation hypothesis. Yeah, maybe not on this podcast episode, but it would be good to maybe do an episode on whether reality is a simulation. That would be good if I could get Freddie and uh, Roger on can have an online bust up what do you reckon to that <laughs> oh dear. i've made uh, i've made a few new friends this week i mean i've known marianne for uh, quite a while now i've met freddie uh, that's nice to meet freddie and roger that's great and uh, jason lovely oh jason you want to take me up you're coming over from the us in a few months and a curry sounds good okay i'll hold you to it my treat but you'll have to find yourself to rotherham which is a bit of a dump, but there's a lot of good curry shops here. A lot, a lot of good curry shops. So thanks, everyone, for your input and everyone else that's tuned in. Join us again soon. Bye for now. Bye for now.